0: Let's take our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13 and Colossians chapter 3. So tonight what I want to do is I I want to talk to you about a subject uh, that we've talked a lot about, but I think that it is very important. And to be honest with you, I am am a little bit jealous over this for our church. Um, I want our church to be blessed of the Lord, and I kind of like getting to the front of the line. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about the greatest gift that there is. And he says in verse 31 of chapter 12, right before 13, he said, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And it's the best gift, it is better than, look at chapter 13, verse 1, speaking with the tongues of men and of angels. It's better than prophecy understanding all mysteries, all knowledge, all faith. It's better than giving everything you have to feed the poor, verse number three. And it is better in verse three than being a martyr. This is the best gift, and that is charity. And it says in verse number eight, charity never faileth. Verse number 13, now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. If our church could be known for its charity, it will be the greatest church in the world. That's what he said. Now, you keep in mind, charity has a lot of sacrifice involved. Charity is not about me. It's about someone else. But if our church is characterized by charity, it is the greatest characteristic that any church could have. And the amazing thing about charity is that it is possible for every single believer. Nobody talks about having the gift of charity but it is the greatest gift, and it's given to all believers, and yet we have to exercise it. Take your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. And while you're turning to Colossians 3.14, I want to give you a definition of charity from a Christian dictionary, 16.12. He says, charity, that affection of love which moves us to hold our neighbors dear... And to desire and seek their good in everything which is dear unto them. And that, for Christ's sake, according to the will of God. Isn't that good? To hold our neighbors dear and to desire and seek their good in everything which is dear unto them. Colossians chapter 3, he says in verse number 14. Colossians 3, 14. He said, and above all these things put on charity charity, which is the bond of perfectness. I want you to see here, charity is not, as we have talked about before, uh, it is not giving to um, the goodwill, the Red Cross, the United Way, and so forth. We call those charitable organizations, but its they're called charitable organizations because they are derived If you trace it all the way back to biblical charity, but biblical charity is not giving a hand to the poor. Biblical charity is loving my brother the way God loves me. And so it's impossible. It's not just hard. It's impossible. Why? I care mostly about myself in my flesh. I don't care about you. I care about people who are related to me. I care about people who are my flesh because they remind me of me and I really like me. But charity is loving others the way God loves me You see, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us We were enemies of Christ, and he loved us That's God's love, not just for people that he likes, but for all men And so now, if I can receive that divine love, that supernatural love from God Then I can give it to other people That's what charity is Charity is, according to this verse, it is the bond of perfectness. It is. I'm going to give you a definition that I've come up with, and you can come up with your own if if you've got a better one. Charity is bonding myself to my fellow believers by intentionally inconveniencing myself for them. Now, I'm not saying it has to always feel like an inconvenience, but it should be intentional. It must be intentional. And he says, put on charity. Put it on. Start wearing it. Well, I don't think it fits me. Put it on. Well, I don't know if I really like the way it looks on me. Charity is something that you are putting on not for yourself, but for the benefit of other people. Do you realize that a fireman wears what they call, from what I understand, bunker gear? They wear... What uh, a turnout coat. They wear boots. They wear turnout uh, trousers. They wear a helmet. They wear a hood. Uh, they wear a scuba pack on their back for air. Uh, they can carry, act- all this stuff adds and adds and adds. They can carry up to 50 to 60 extra pounds. I've never seen anyone saying, got the top down on the car. We're on vacation with this outfit on. I'm going to put on my, my bunker gear and I'm going to relax, baby. It's not relaxing. It's very heavy and it's awkward. And if you watch when the firemen walk around and the firewomen, fire people, okay, uh, fire humans, they walk awkwardly many times. They walk kind of stiff because the, the material is very stiff. 50 to 60 extra pounds that they wear that they put on, not for themselves, but for the benefit of their people. Now, it keeps them alive, and I know they're thankful for it, but they don't put it on because it looks good. They don't put it on because everyone says, nice. They put it on because people need them to put it on. If they don't put that on, they can't go in and do the, do the job that they've been trained to do. And so he said here, put on charity. I'm going to give you a couple of bond builders and some bond destroyers, some bond killers. The first one I want you to look at is in First Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4. This is a bond builder. Bond builder. First Peter chapter 4. It is intentionally bonding myself to a fellow believer by inconveniencing myself. What can I do to be a blessing, to seek their good in that which is dear unto them? He says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 8. And above all these things, above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Hospitality, that's the first bond builder. Hospitality. If you want to intentionally build bonds with your brothers and sisters in Christ, hospitality. Friendliness to guests. Flip back to Hebrews chapter 13. If you're right there in 1 Peter, to your left, Hebrews chapter 13, look at verse number 1. Let brotherly love continue. When I was growing up, my mom would say, Not brotherly shove brotherly love, right? That's what charity is. And then he says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, to entertain, to hold together. That's what entertain means. If you break it down, enter is together and tain is hold, like tenacity, hold together. That's entertain. Don't be, he said, be not forgetful to entertain strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Just like uh, Abraham did. At first, he did not know who his guests were. He invited them in. Hospitality. See that? And then verse 3. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them and them which suffer adversity. And we'll see that in a moment. But first, this hospitality. Strangers. Strangers. Strangers are strange until they're not. I grew up traveling around the country I was the stranger everywhere I went. And everyone was a stranger to me. People are strange until you get to know them. And what you find typically is this. The first impression you have of a person is usually wrong. And it takes a while for them to actually um, show all of who they are. I'm glad people, when they give me a chance... I present myself as an idiot, and they give me a little bit of extra time to prove that I'm not. And sometimes I don't prove that. But the goal of hospitality is to hold on to people until they're not strangers anymore. To hold on to them. Hospitality. That is what builds bonds between people. What does hospitality mean? Hospitality means mikasa sukasa. This is. People say, "Make yourself at home." You know, they don't. I don't think they don't think they mean that, because immediately I just start taking my shoes and socks off, and I turn sideways on their couch, and they start looking at me strangely. But make yourself at home means this is your home. You know, it's not easy to. Not everybody has that skill, but then again, not everybody knows how to read and write either. It takes practice. It's not magic. It's a skill that you can learn and you can develop. Now, I will say, it's difficult when, you, when you're embarrassed of your house to ask people to come over. But be careful with that, because if the Lord helps you to gain a nicer house, you may be too selfish to have people come over. So you have to, you have to work this thing out. And it's not about you being relaxed. It's not about you and I being comfortable. It's about our guests being comfortable. So we're, we're, we're looking to, to help them feel at home, right? Now, if your life is this way, I want you to look at, uh, go to Proverbs nineteen six, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 6. Hospitality requires an attitude of abundance, not scarcity. And so, if you have someone over, and, uh, and you see that, uh, oh, we've got, um, we've got everything set. Sweetheart, where's, where's the Coca-Cola? Down, say, like they say down south. Where's the Coca-Cola? And your wife's like, oh, honey, that's for us. <laughs> if you're the guest, you start to feel kind of like not really that important. <laughs> the goal it's to say, and by the way, the goal should be for us too. But, but the goal is for you to not know that I'm sacrificing anything. It's for you to not feel like I'm really going out of my way to be nice to you. I never forget growing up that when I did on the road, sometimes people would be like, oh, this is a lot of work. Let's pray. You know, and it's like, OK, we didn't have to come. You know, we could have gone to McDonald's. We know how to split a t- cheeseburger 10 ways. We can do it. Right. And, and it's because it, it's, it's sometimes difficult. But, but the Bible says that we're supposed to be hospitable and to use hospitality. Use it. You got it. Use it. Look at uh, Proverbs chapter uh, 19. Many, verse number 6, 19.6, uh, let's look at verse 4. Wealth maketh many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. Me, verse 6, many will entreat the favor of the prince, and every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. So, so let me ask you a question. When you go out to eat, who should be buying? I should. Immediately. I'm not saying I'll fight like I've had people that I will not let you pay like they'll stand up and pound the counter and I'm like okay (laughs) it's not that big of a deal but at least I'm going to pretend to reach for my wallet amen that's the key you got to pretend you don't even have a wallet with you brother thank you brother right (laughs) but you you should have that idea that mindset not out of pride. But let me ask you this question. If you went out to eat with someone that you respected, let's say you had a, a favorite, a, you know, athlete, professional athlete, would you expect your professional athlete friend to pay? Or would not you feel like it's beneath me to mooch off of him? So that's what we should think when we go out with our brothers and sisters or whatever. We should always think, I'll pay not because I'm rich and they're not. Because I value them above myself. See, it's easy to, to give when you've got the money. But that's because it's about you. But when you have a hospitable mindset, a charitable mindset, you feel honored that you're with your brother or sister. And so you want to treat them well. He says in, in Every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts, and you might think, well, I don't have anything to give. That's your problem right there. You've probably been that way for a long time. Some, not, not everybody was raised with a silver spoon in their mouth. Some of us came up hard. I had nothing, you know. Man, when I was growing up, we lived in a corner of a room for 30 years. 75% of the room was just caved in. We used to live in a shoebox in the middle of the street. You know, we all, everybody has the thing. You can one-up each other over and over again. We used to eat hot gravel, you know, every morning. <laughs> we had to go to bed three hours before we got up. You know, that kind of stuff. And, and the problem with that is, look at, verse number, look at verse number 7. All the brethren of the poor do hate him. Why? Because he's needy, he's whiny, he's craving How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursueth them with words, yet they are wanting to him. They don't want to be around him. Why? Because he has a mindset of scarcity. Scarcity. Always thinking, I don't have enough. They have more than I do. You do realize that that is a sliding scale. That you think, well, if I could get a promotion, let's add 20 grand to to your wages. You know what that does to your heart? Nothing. It just makes you a little richer miser. It makes you a little bit richer whiner. That's all it does. This is a mindset of the heart. Charity is the love of God flowing from my heart to other believers. Go back to chapter 15, Proverbs 15. I want you to look at uh, look at Proverbs 14 very quick and we'll look at 15:2. We got so many verses here. Proverbs is just chock-full of verses on on uh, wealth and poverty. 14:20. The poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich hath many friends. And it's not just the money, it's the mindset. Now, what kind of friends do the rich people have? That's a good question. But, you know, sometimes we we live in a world that's constantly being told about socialism and how socialism is so much better than capitalism. But I'm just here to tell you that rich or poor is not the issue. It's the heart. And God, someone said, God will give more through you than he will give to you. How about this? I'm privileged to have more than I need. How do you look at your life? We'll never be able to climb the ladder or looking down. Lord, I don't know how I got this far, only by your grace. Which direction are you looking? You say, well, I'll, well, I'll be able to look down the ladder and thank God when I get. No, you won't. So I'm trying to tell you, it's a mindset that you'll take with you the rest of your life. It's a mindset. Isn't that why they call the lottery the poor man's tax? Why? Well, they're not going to get taxed by the government any other way, so they're going, to get ta- they're going to get it out of their hide from the lottery. Why? We don't have enough. This is my day. Maybe I'll get there. It's a mindset. Look at chapter 15, verse number 15. Chapter 15, 15. All the days of the afflicted are evil. <laughs> you having a good day? No, I'm not having a good day. There's never a good day. You want to know what kind of a day I'm having? A rotten day. And you know why I'm having a rotten day? Because a lot of rotten things have happened to me and to my grandparents as well. And guess what are going to happen to my grandkids? A lot of rotten things as well. All the days they've afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast, a 24-7 buffet that just keeps getting loaded. Why? Because he's happy. He's laughing. Thank God. Thank God. Do you have a continual feast? Better is little with the righteous than great treasure without right, the Bible says. A little. You can be happy. He says, better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. What's that? Freezer full of steaks. It'd be better to have love and little than to have a completely stocked mansion where you're throwing the fine china at one another Amen. you see it's a mindset it's a mindset ask brother rice what becomes valuable when you're gasping for breath in the hospital you know what brother Tim's not thinking he's not thinking man I gotta get back to Longhorn man we're going on the nicest vacation you know what he's thinking thank God for every day Thank God for every breath. Thank God for every text. Thank God for every thought or prayer that someone gives. It makes you grateful for what you have, not greedy for what you don't have. Look at chapter four, uh, uh, 18 verse 24, 1824. "A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Now, we sometimes interpret that verse as if you want to have friends, you must be friendly. And that's certainly true. But notice what it says. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. In order for you to continue to maintain your friendships, you've got to continue to be friendly. You see, it's easier for me to say, I don't have enough. I I don't, as we all say it, we all feel it. I don't have the bandwidth right now to care But when I get done, I'm going to speak a little facetiously and take it with a grain of salt. You ready? When I get done taking care of all the big things in my life, maybe I'll have time to think about somebody else. You know what's going to happen? You're going to save the best for yourself, and you're going to go throw scraps to other people. Why? It's just easy to do. I'm not suggesting that you say, Well, sorry kids, we can't have any nice things because we have people over. But neither am I suggesting that it's not a nice thing to be nice to other people. You see, it is a blessing to be a blessing. If you raise your kids with the idea that we're having people over, we're having people over, uh-oh, mom and dad are on the rampage. It's going to get real. Vacuum the floor! Oh, I just love having people over. <laughs> It's like these people are transformed into prison wardens in an instant, right? And listen, it takes work. Hospitality is work. It's hard. It's an effort. It's a sacrifice. But, you know, if you go into your life thinking, I want my life to be good, to be good, and I hope I don't have a horrible week. I hope I have a good week. I hope it's a good one where I don't have these crazy thoughts all day and I'm constantly depressed and discouraged. I hope I have a good week. If you go into that, how much are you thinking about other people? Not very much. If you go into your week saying, Thank you, God, for letting me live this work and on this earth. Thank you for the breath in my lungs. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my, my home. Thank you for what, what little crackers we have in the cupboard. I guess we have something. Thank you, God, for what I do have. I hope I get a, a chance to be a blessing to someone this week. You see that? would it be a major difference, wouldn't it, in your approach to the week? 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Look at chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians. You see, hospitality cost you something. I love the idea of investing for retirement, except the part where you don't have all that money. Because it's like, ah, shouldn't somebody take care of me when I get to that point? Yeah, you should take care of yourself. It's an investment. I don't have it now so that I can have it later. Let's look at the investment here of charity. He says in verse 14, 1 Corinthians 16, 14, Let all your things be done with charity. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanas, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They minister on purpose to the point that they can't stop. They're given to hospitality. And he said that you submit yourselves unto such. And to everyone that helpeth with, with us and laboreth, I'm glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge ye them that are such. I think I would be glad of the coming of Stephanus. If I know he's addicted himself to helping people, I'm going to really like having him around. Because he really likes helping people. And maybe he'll help me. But I want you to see how he got there. Look at verse number 17. He said, That which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. You know how they were able to supply that? They had supplies on hand. You know, there's, there's nothing worse than trying to start a major project without having the materials and the tools on hand. You go to do something, and you're like, ah, where's the hammer? Well, where, where's the, the, the drywall? Did any, anybody buy the screws? We, we've got nothing to work with here. You see, the reason why many times we're not hospitable is because we're not thinking about it, and we're not prepared to be hospitable. We're, we're more concerned about making sure we're stocking up for the zombie apocalypse, which is going to happen, <laughs> than being prepared to be a blessing to our brothers and sisters in Christ. See, we have to think about this. It's something that God is going to to bring across our path. And we want to be prepared. You know, what? I admire the ladies who have the ability to just say, Oh, no problem. We'll just add add one more. No problem. Now, you may end up eating a paper-thin piece of pie or something, but we're going to add you in there. You see, you know what people really like? They like being accepted. They like being welcomed. They like having things shared with them that you're, you're sharing with them. And so it doesn't matter the size of it per se. It matters the heart behind it. Supplies. Supplies. That's number one, hospitality. And then number two, quickly back to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. It tells us in verse number three. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them. This is another bond builder. Another bond builder is empathy. Feeling what others feel. Feeling what others feel. Empathy is imagining what you would feel if you were that person. It's not easy to do. But the Lord calls us to it. He told, us, he told us in Romans, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not, rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. So think about this. If you were that person, what would be important to you? This is a tough one for me. Because I think, I'm not that person. It's not logical. So how could I possibly... You see, that's that's where the bonds come in. You see, you do know what's important to the people that you really care about. Because you're around them. Because you continue to be around them. And you know what's important. I know there was a lot of people in the church that were very happy to see the Michigan Wolverines win the national championship. Why? Because I know them. Because I've been around them talking about it. I've heard them. I've been with them uh, watching games. I've seen it. I understand it means a lot. Sometimes I'll text people and I'll say, hey, great win. Now that's easy for me to do. Now, if they ever play West Virginia, I don't care if they ever win, but I'll be cheering for West Virginia. Empathy is imagining what that person feels. I think our, our church has done a phenomenal job of that in the last several years. I really do. But see, there's always room for more of that. That is, if we, if we could get the blessing of God on this church, I believe that charity would be the number one way. It's the number one way. Yes, we want to see other people come to Christ. <clears throat> but I'm telling you, there's nothing more attractive to a lost person than someone who loves. Someone who has the love of Christ just exuding from them. That's the kind of thing that can really help. Now, that's not the gospel, but boy, does it set the plate for the gospel. It can be a real blessing to lost people. But listen, it would be foolish of us as, as a church to say that we cared about the lost world when we didn't love our own brothers. It would be foolish for us to, to go out there and get tracks to people and talk to them and witness to them and be focused and crying and praying for them when we don't care about those in our own house. Just as foolish as it would be for the cobbler whose own, shoe, whose own kids go shoeless. For the pastor whose own kids go uncared for. I've said this before. I hope you understand. If anything happens in my home where my kids are in my home and there's a major difficulty and, str- and struggle, I'm going to make them a priority. Financially, whatever that means for me from the church, it's okay. Why? I have a commitment to God and I love them more. And I'm going to take care of them. That's a priority. How could I get up and talk about loving your spouse and loving your kids and not do the same for my own? How can we talk about caring for other people unless we're already caring for the people here? How do we do that? Well, we actually have a very simple, practical mechanism for doing this. Brother and Mrs. Niemer are in charge of our member care ministry. And here's what they do. They send out texts to all interested parties and they say, hey, we have a need. Who's interested in being involved? Uh, and I've told them over and over again, uh, and it's hard for them to understand because they're very caring people. The job of the Nehmers is not to make sure to go around and care for everyone. Their job is to facilitate us caring for everyone. To know the needs, to let us know about the needs, to let us know what people need. It's very important. And what happens is, what's happened in the last several years is that people have begun uh, volunteering. Oh, I can bring a meal. I can buy a gift card. They put it in nice baskets for people, depending on the situation. And uh, we need baskets, but we don't need baskets that were on their way to the dumpster. Amen. I used to hear that when I was growing up. Um, we were on our way to the dumpster and wondered if you guys needed any of this stuff. Fif- size 54 underwear? No, we don't need that. <laughs> you hey, bet? None of God's children need that. <laughs> Why? It's, it's not. It's just, that's cheesy. All right? We want to we show true love and compassion. And, and they have a good eye. And others can be involved in that. You can jump in and say, yes, I want to do that. Yes, I want to. You see, it's easy for people, uh, for us, we get upsold <laughs> upsell all the time, everywhere we go. You want fries with that? You want extra sauce with that? That'll be $2.99, extra sauce. Uh, do, you, do, you, uh, do you want to add this to your subscription? $5 more a month, that's it. We're constantly up. Let me encourage you to constantly increase your charity. When you get an opportunity, add to your charity. Throw a couple more bucks in that thing. And what's going to happen is you're going to start finding yourself getting addicted to charity. You start thinking about who people are and what they go through. This is what Paul said. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. By the way, that doesn't say much for the church in Rome. Paul had to search very diligently to find that he was in jail. Why? I guess nobody wanted to be known. Nobody wanted to be associated with him. He's a prisoner. He's a criminal. But Anesiphorus was different because he diligently sought him out. And the Bible says the Lord granted him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me in Ephesus thou knowest very well. So those are two things. Let's look at two Killers, two bond killers. the first are bond builders. one is hospitality, intentionally inconveniencing myself for others, and then empathy, feeling what other people feel. By the way, men, if you want to uh, if you want to talk about refreshing your marriage, develop some empathy it 's very difficult because men and women are different, but you can develop that now let 's take our Bibles to First Peter chapter four. And we'll look at 1 Peter 4 again, and we'll look at Hebrews chapter 13 one more time. Hebrews chapter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. Here's a bond killer. You want to be bad at relationships? Then this verse is for you. 1 Peter 4 9. Use hospitality one to another. What's the next two words? Without grudging. What is grudging? It is envying. It is being uneasy at another's possession of something. In other words, your brother or sister at your birthday party. Do you remember any of that? You, you were seeing anything in your, in your siblings' eyes when you opened up a gift? And they're like... Like, get real quiet. Why? Thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. (laughs) Yeah, it's envy. Envy is a killer. I'm telling you, it kills relationships. Wrath is cruel, and anger is outrageous, but who can stand before envy? You want to kill a bond with a brother or sister in Christ? Envy them. What is that? Wishing not just that you had what they had. That's covetousness. Wishing that you had what they have instead of them. That's envy. You shouldn't have it. I should have it. By, by the way, it's all the umbrella term or umbrella sin of covetousness. It's not being content with what God's given you. It's saying, well, I don't, I, I don't, think, I don't think it's right. You know, the devil blesses people, too and I, I just don't think that it's right for them to have that they haven't earned it have not I served thee these many years it's amazing you know the, the, the master that parable about the, the master who sends the men out to work in the field and some of them bear the heat of the day and then some come at the last hour the eleventh hour and he gives them all the same Woo, that separates the men from the boys about time to start a union at that point boys why that ain't fair That ain't fair. You see, we're very good at knowing what is fair and what is not fair. Particularly where it concerns me. I know what's right and what's not right based on my understanding of what I've seen in the world. And I'm just telling you, if you get grudging into it, you're going to destroy hospitality. What is grudging? That's saying, well, it must be nice for you to talk about that. I don't have the money to do that. Sure is nice. I guess guess apparently the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Grow up. You're being a baby. You're being a baby. You are worse than that. You are envying. Envying. The Bible says, charity envieth not. Joseph was bound and thrown in the pit because of his brother's envy. Jesus was delivered to Pilate. Why? Because of the envy of the religious leaders. They looked at him and they said, it's not fair that you have all the people (laughs) slobbering all over you. They're envious. Paul was constantly contradicted and harassed because the, the Jewish leaders were envious of his power with God. Envy is a dangerous thing. So what does that mean? The Bible said in, in Romans chapter 12, verse number 15, rejoice with them that rejoice. Weep with them that weep. You know, we're, 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 a lot of times we're good with one or the other. Very few people are good at rejoicing with them that rejoice. There are some that are good with weeping that those that weep. You know what you ought to do? You ought to cry with the people who are mourning, and you ought to be happy when they get a new car. Awesome. That is great. When they get a new job, praise the Lord. You ought to send them a card. Hey, I'm just thanking God for your promotion at work. That goes against the grain, doesn't it? It's like, no, no, when you lose something, I'll show you that I love you. I'll kind of fill in the gap. Hey, how about this? When God starts promoting somebody, push them up even further towards the Lord. Thank you, God, for being good to them. You say, what is that? It's a mindset of abundance. You you, You know what? I've never found, I've never seen this. I'm trying to think if there's an exception. Brothers, siblings that are close are like cats and dogs, oil and water. They do not mix well. But brothers that are spaced apart. You know how they say they're kind of like two different families where mom and dad have a set... Of kids, and then they have another set of kids. Very rarely, I don't think I've ever seen it, where an older sibling is envious of a much younger sibling. You know why? Because they've had their jollies, they've had their fun, they've had their success, they, they've enjoyed life, and now they're happy to see that now they may be concerned about them. They they might be wondering. I hope they do right, mom and dad. I tell you one thing: older siblings always say about younger, mom and dad were harder on us, right, than they were on the younger ones, and it's probably true. You probably needed it, by the way. But I don't think I've ever seen it where an older sibling says, "I'm thirty years old. My younger brother's ten. He thinks he's so great." Isn't that interesting? We would say, what a, what a fool. What an idiot. But if you're close to them, it's okay. You can envy them. You can hate them in your heart. Why? Because really, what's theirs should be yours. That will kill hospitality, that will kill the heart of charity. Practice. Practice. When you hear something good happen to someone, say, praise the Lord and walk up to them. And if you have to fake it, he said, put on charity, put it on, walk up to them and say, that's awesome. And your flesh inside going, you don't believe that you're lying through your teeth. You know who is happy about it? God's happy about it. So maybe you can be Christ like you can tell your old nasty, just little, you know, sniveling little nature. Shut up. It's time for me to grow up a little bit and be thankful that God's blessing other people. You know what that does? It builds a bond. When people come up to you and say, <laughs> I'm sorry, forgive me. I had a random thought come to mind about someone coming up to me. When they come up to you and they're happy, it's so cool. Man, it's a, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. A bond killer is grudging. And one more. Here's a bond killer. Chapter 13 of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, look at verse number 2. He said, be not forgetful to entertain strangers. Be not forgetful. You know, it's, it's not just that some people are envious. It's that some people aren't prepared. They're just not thinking about it. They're so busy. He said in verse thir- uh, 3, remember them that are in bonds as bound with them. I've known some folks in prison, and I've had some friends that have gone to prison. You know, it's easy for me to forget them, because, you know, look, our justice system said they deserve to be sent to prison, so they're dead to me. Man, I, I, I just don't think that's very Christ-like. I mean, I think they're paying their dues to society already. Well, in the beginning, I forgot. I, I remember years ago, I had a friend that went to prison, and I was kind of like, man, I, man, I don't I don't want to be... You know what I found out? I found that a whole bunch of other of his friends, mutual friends of ours, pastors, were going to the prison to visit him. You know what I want to say? I don't want to be within a country mile of that place. Because that boy did wrong. He should never have done that. He ended up in prison. You know what they were saying? I'm going to show charity to him. Well, I had the unfortunate uh, circumstance of having another friend who went to prison. But this time I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write him a letter. And I'm going to send him some books. I'm not the judge. I'm not the jury of what he did or shouldn't have done. But I know this. I can show him some charity. I can tell him that I love him. And I'm praying for him. You know what it's hard to do in this world? Remember things. It's hard to remember how much we love people. You know, in fact, we probably wouldn't even remember we loved our spouse if we didn't bump into him a couple times a day. We get so self-centered. We get sidetracked. We, we get distracted with everything else. He said, remember. You see, what you ought to do and what I need to do is not to put it on my calendar. Because what gets scheduled gets done. Is that true? What gets scheduled gets done. You know, if I'm going to be showing charity, I need to put it on my schedule and say, hey, we want to have so-and-so come over the house. I want to bring some coffee to so-and-so at work. I want to send a card to so-and-so. You know, the television channels, they do a really good job at reminding us of what we're supposed to watch, don't they? And isn't it true that the stores tell us what season it is and what we should be buying? Right? You know who's going to remind us about this stuff? Nobody. It's our job. There's nobody that's going to say, hey, don't forget to be charitable, except for me. I'll be here. Don't worry. But sometimes it's too little too late. He said, put it on, put it on. You got to go and fight a fire, put on the correct clothes. If you're going scuba diving, you better put on the right suit. If you're going to be a Christian that's full of charity, you're going to have to put it on suit up. What is it that you're going to have to have? Don't wait until, Hey, I'm not telling you got to take somebody out for a steak dinner. That might be way down the line for you. You know what you could do? You could pray for somebody. You know what you could do? You could write a little note and say, "I'm praying for you," and give it to him. If you have to borrow the pen and the pencil, you know what you could do? You could say, um, "Listen, if 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 you need me to help you at your house, I'd like to come and I'd like to help you." These are the types of things you can do. Some of them don't cost any money at all. Charity is intentionally inconveniencing myself for my brother based on his needs. It's a brother's bond. It is being willingly bound to my brother. He said, Put on charity. So, put on your big boy pants. Put your own plans on hold. Put something on your calendar. Put on a party. Put on some coffee. Put on some burgers or steak. Put on some nice music. Put on the dog. Put on your best smile. Put them on your prayer list and put on charity. Let's bow our heads and pray.